Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. There's no one quite like Kenny McIntyre. The former culture director for Red Bull Canada and founder of Red Bull 3 Style, the world's largest DJ competition, he is a mine of creative ideas and always in perpetual motion. Kenny grew out east in Sudbury, Ontario, with his mom, dad, and brother. His love for music and sound came at a young age, listening to records with his dad and discovering new music during his teenage years, something he continues to do now. Having watched his father battle mental illness, he's as compassionate and empathetic as he is brilliant. In this conversation, we deep dive into music that influenced him, how Red Bull 3 Style was an experiment that turned into something much, much bigger, his pivot toward more self-care and alternative healing this past year, a coming soon project called Play the 19th, and much more. Please enjoy this conversation with the unstoppable Kenny McIntyre. Kenny Mac, welcome to The Craft. Nice to be here, May. I'm really glad you're here. It's uh, twice in 24 hours after a long gap yes. since I last seen you. Yes, yes. I can't wait to talk about uh, yesterday evening. We'll we'll save that little nugget for later. Um, but I was thinking about how we met, and it was many moons ago with our web of mutual friends, and you were still the culture director at Red Bull Canada. Okay. The good old days. <laughs> and I think that was more than a decade ago. Um, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not um, very particular with inventorying my timeline. Mm-hmm. I have general memories. And, uh, <laughs> or not memories or from not, those days. Yeah. I, I remember the essence of the times. <laughs> not necessarily all of the times. Oh, I want to take that phrase, the essence of the times. It's yours. It's free license. <laughs> Open source. Trademark it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now here we are shooting the breeze, and I always love doing that with you. So yes, it's always fun shooting the breeze with yourself, and now we're doing it with microphones. Yes, Usually yes. It's, it's just you know, over coffee on a or bar stool or a <laughs> double A's wedding. Shop. I think it was that was fun over waffles. Eight. Yeah, waffles. Yes, yes, lovely times. Good times. So tell me about growing up. What was your family oh dynamic goodness. like? What were you like as a kid? Go way back. We're going way back, Kenny. I was having trouble as 10 years ago as a <laughs> working guy. Now we're going to Sudbury. All right. So I grew up in uh, Northern Ontario, Sudbury. Um, I think it's a great place to be from. Mm. I My brother still lives there. Um, grew up playing all the sports. Um, I think, yeah, we took piano lessons, which we didn't really like because... Back then, I think music teaching was very specific Mm. in that our piano teacher taught us classical piano, which I had zero interest in as a 9 to 15-year-old kid or whatever it was. Um, I was into discovering music on my own. Anyway, um, yes, I grew up in Sudbury, Ontario. Um, Mom, dad, brother. Mm A couple dogs Mm -hmm. through the the time. But, uh, yeah, like a lot of families... My parents split up and single mom raised us. She's the superhero of a woman. I can't believe we got to where we got to. Uh, 
from where we were. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she moved out here 14 years ago. And okay. Micah got pregnant with Otis. Mm-hmm. We, uh, yeah, Sudbury was a great place. But yeah, when we told her we she was pregnant, she called us back the next day and said, I'm moving to Vancouver. Nice to have the support, though. It was insane. Yeah. Was like, crazy. You've what, lived in Sudbury for so long. Yeah. What, which, what is she like? My mom? Yeah. She's the best. She's um, she's fighting super hard right now. She had a spinal incident, I guess, um, in late fall and ended up spending about 90 days in the hospital during COVID. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Two surgeries, and now she's learning how to walk again. Wow. She's 77 right now mm. and basically learning how to walk again. We don't get to see her very much because, well, she's due for her vaccine soon. Yeah. But obviously with two kids and a an, an normally active lifestyle um, mm-hmm. around our house with a lot of interaction with people, even though that's been very limited, it's too much to see older people who are vulnerable right now, as I'm sure everyone who you've talked to and everyone who will ever hear this can know right now and really relate to. But yeah, she's, uh, I wish I could be as nice as my mom. Mm. <laughs> she's, she's a sweetheart. Yeah. And Very she generous. really wants to know what's up with everyone's life. Mm. <laughs> right, mom? <laughs> she asks questions. And before you finish answering, she asks another question. <laughs> she's very Just inquisitive. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. And what about dad? Yeah. So my dad, we had a very tight relationship as kids. Um, we suffered through some, or he suffered through mental disease. And back then it was, shit, I must have been 13 when we really found out about it. And it was a different time. You didn't talk about mental health and mental wealth like we do now. You know, we almost talk about it all the time, overtly everywhere. Back then, especially in Northern Ontario, it was kind of suck it up. Buttercup was the attitude for everything, right? Um, So admitting you had a disease was tough enough. And then when you did say you had a disease, it was basically like walking around with polio in the 20s or whenever that happened, right? People looked at you differently. So it was a bit of a struggle. So I, I grew apart from him. There was a lot to do with the actual reality of mental disease as well. Mm-hmm. that pushed us apart. Um, but he passed away oof, probably 20 years ago now, mm-hmm. but uh, wasn't very good to his body. And between that side and, uh, you know, smoking two packs a day and those kind of things, his heart didn't work. So, right, yeah. right. That must but have been so difficult to definitely, watch. Yeah, it was super difficult. My aunt and uncle... Wow, they did so much for him and us growing up to make it easier on us and uh, help him and help the whole family and you know deal with what he was going through. But there's certain things he imparted on me that I'll never forget. Mm. Like, like uh, an assist is worth more than a goal. Mm. And I say that in sports to kids all the time. Mm. I'm emotional. Real talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up was fun. Yeah. I don't think I'm done. I'm 47 and I don't think anyone's <laughs> done growing up yet, but. It's a, it's life is a work in progress all the time. Mm-hmm. 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 And what about you? What were you like as a kid? Hmm. Should I call my mom? Uh, <laughs> my perspective or, or hers? <laughs> 
Um, she always made fun of me because I would play with a group of friends, get home and call another group of friends and play with them and they'd get tired and I'd call another group of friends and go play with them. And it's a couple of years after that and I'm kind of still the same mm. in that I'm always wanting to do new stuff and new things and uh, not necessarily with new people all the time, but different people a lot, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I've had a life where I've got to meet a lot of new people and make new friends all over the world in short amount of, short amount of times in a lot of instances, but people you uh, gravitate towards. Yeah, for sure. In both ways. It's like yeah. some sort of weird magnetic connection where mm -hmm. I met this guy just off the top of my mind, Ernesto, in uh, Lebanon, and from the second we high-fived, we've been friends since and I've only spent maybe probably five days of my life with this guy but he's I yeah. consider him a good friend you know yeah there's lots of people like that but totally sometimes I don't know why I thought of Ernesto right now but shout out Ernesto shall <laughs> we? yeah sometimes connections are totally undeniable and and the length of time where you meet a person doesn't um necessarily dictate you know the depth of that relationship you know you can meet someone for five days and feel like you've known them forever yep 100 yeah. percent we got a lot of that from travels. Yeah, yes. oh yeah. You you're uh, you were always in perpetual motion prior to this last year. Yes, <laughs> we'll get we'll get we're to that. Get <laughs> we're going to get stuff. to that right. for sure. Cool. Um, I wanted to go back. You were talking about um, you know having to take piano and classical music wasn't your thing, but discovering music was. So what did that look like for you when you were a youngster? Like how were you discovering music? Because hmm. you know. I know you now, and you're super into music and yeah. playing it. Um, my dad always played records around the house. We didn't have a lot of them. I don't think a lot of people did. We had – it was very interesting, right? Like the creative constraint of the physicality of music at the time as well. You People only had so many records, and you didn't have the internet. You couldn't stream, so you had to listen to what you had. Um, and that's kind of that album culture of listening to things. But The Eagles Live, I remember listening to that record quite a lot with my dad. Um, and that was a very powerful record and hearing harmonies and strange spaces in the records. And that was a crazy record to listen to as a kid. And then I remember buying U2 War, I think that was 1984 on cassette, Sam the Record Man. And there was some really interesting drum program programming on that. I think Daniel Langlois might've produced that record or he was the one after, but Again, some really interesting uh, soundscape on that record. What was the other one? It was a compilation record called Solid Gold back then. Mm -hmm. They had some compilations were a thing. That was a way to discover <laughs> at my timeline in Sudbury, Ontario, because you got to hear 12 artists on one piece of recording. Mm -hmm. And the radio, we, we would record songs on the radio to tape to be able to hear them. Yeah. Um, yeah, discovery then was different because the creative constraint was so much tighter, mm. both financially and just access-wise. Mm -hmm. You didn't have access to literally every song on earth in your pocket yeah. at all times. So we had a, a limited uh, perspective of music, but luckily hung out with friends that were always, you know, oh, you got to hear this record. Oh, you got to hear this record. You got to hear this record. Yes. Whatever that was. Those friends are the best, yeah, where you can discover music. In university, um, 
a group of friends of, of, of mine, we had this email thread and they were super into music, obscure stuff. And so it was, you know, every week there was like, have you seen this? Have you heard this? And I was like, no, I haven't, but thank you for sharing. So yeah, I get it. It's, yeah, that it's was, pretty cool. I guess when we turned well, 17, 18, we started going to this venue in Sudbury called the Townhouse Tavern. And this was early 90s, like 90, 91, something like that. And Canadian music, like, uh, oh, man, the Rio Statics and Sloan and all these, you know, this crazy Canadian sort of post-grunge scene um, of bands. We'd go see them seven nights a week, and it was just whoever was touring, we'd go see them and judge them on their live performance and whether or not it was dope. And, you know, there's a band, the Bourbon Tabernacle Choir, uh, from Toronto, and they were amazing live. I think they were like seven or eight piece band. Great name. And Kate was a crazy <laughs> singer. Chris was a crazy singer. Still mm -hmm. listen to their records. Um, I randomly Google searched them one day, and the drummer got back to me and sent me a zip of all the old the old songs, and it was crazy to relive all that. But uh, just a wild band, but eight piece band in a venue that was, I don't know eight times the size of this podcast studio in Sudbury. We're drinking Northern Draft. And <laughs> you really had to perform live and to sell your show because there, was, there wasn't, we weren't on the radio back then. The radio still formatted the way it was. Mm -hmm. um, so the discovery was live for sure. I love those those small intimate venues. I miss them like Richards on Richards. Ooh, saw a lot, of, a lot of things at Richards, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I bet you did. I did too. Discovered yeah. some things at Richard's, for sure. <laughs> oh, and you can't erase it from your mind now. No. Good was that Gonzalez? Was that Richard's? That was a great wow, show. Wow, that would have been great. That was cool. Uh, I saw remember, Maceo Parker there. I think you were there too, but um, mutual friends of ours, Mad Maddie Donald, Double A. We went and saw M83 at Richard's, and yeah. that was incredible because so that sounded so... saw M83 there. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Saw Sparta there. They mm. were great. Oof, so many, so many good rushing ones. back. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't even that small. Like the townhouse was the size of the Richard stage with maybe the dance oh, floor. Really? It was small. That's, yeah, that's teeny tiny. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I want to go back to, um, or maybe fast forwarding now to um, your career in action sports. You mm. were at Spy Optic for a while. Yeah, yeah. Before you found yourself at Red Bull. So what yeah. was that like? That was pretty fun. Um, I worked retail in Whistler back when I moved to Whistler and for a few months and lived there for however many years it was. Um, I was working retail and how did this work? Sold a lot of skis and snowboards at our shop and get some of the reps, so on and whatnot. And one of them um, was the Rosinal rep and I sold a lot of Rosinal snowboards and skis and kind of did some tech work for Rosinal and uh, went on the road with who's one of my best friends still to this day, Nelson Phillips, um, went on the road with him and Patty Kay and Tim O'Brien and a bunch of just Whistler legends back then mm -hmm. and uh, toured the interior of BC, got to know these guys quite well, and I was kind of the snowboard guy. They were all skiers. And then Nelson ended up getting the contract for Spy to come to Canada through a new distributor and tapped me to be the rep working with him, uh, repping kind of BC. So that was kind of my indoctrination into mm -hmm. that side of the action sports world. And, um, 
I was technically the sales rep for a couple of years, but I was always more of a marketing kind of brand uh, community manager anyway. Yeah. So as the company grew and the sales grew and grew dynamically out here, I moved more into a marketing role on that side and a brand side. And really, we didn't have social media back then, but it was community management. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we had a team, but I, we had a massive team as well of, God, I'm going to air quote here, influencers. Right, yeah. Just real people that did real things that we wanted to be part of the brand and mm-hmm. tell the brand story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my world of getting into action sports, I guess. And from there, we did a few other brands here and there. But we threw a lot of events with retailers. Yeah, oh, I bet. And really, you know, that especially in the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, the action sports retail world was the retailer. Without them, none of the brands would go around. So we tried to take care of those retailers the best we could. And the best way we knew how was to show them a good time. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I remember some of those shakers. Yeah. 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 Do you think that um, the early 2000s were sort of the glory days of, of you know, that industry of action sports? Oh, man. Uh, I know what you, I think I know what you're trying to say, but I don't want to say it was the glory days because what kids are doing today is so much crazier than what kids were doing then on the snowboards and the skis. And I, I, I don't like saying my generation was cooler than that generation. There was a very special time, especially in Vancouver. I wasn't a big mountain biker, but free ride mountain biking kind of started here in BC, right? Like what Derek Westland and those guys did with free ride films and all the guys on the shore, um, Brett Tippy and these guys were doing stuff on bikes. And I was, that wasn't even my scene. And it was crazy the impact it had globally, but skiing and snowboarding was massive here as well. And that was more where I was aligned and the Wildcats guys were doing just crazy stuff back then. And before them, the whiskey videos, those were, those were nuts. But seeing what uh, Sean Pettit just put out with K2, Mindbender, that was a few weeks ago. And that's, Still, he's progressing the sport and the art behind the sport so far. Um, so, yes, for me, it was the glory days, but I, I don't like saying it's the best. It's kind of like saying golden era hip hop is the best hip hop. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. for some people, I guess. Right. Can you be the best at hip hop? I don't know. I wouldn't want to rap against Nas if I had to <laughs> battle him, but um, I, I, I much prefer battling against any little rapper. Than against Nas, put it that way. <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd promote it. I wouldn't do it. Um, and then you moved over to Red Bull after that. Yeah, so I, I'd done a couple projects with Red Bull USA. Shout out uh, Jameson Keegan. I met him before Red Bull came to Canada, and then Red Bull came to Canada, and my phone rang. And I knew quite a lot about the brand um, from being in the action sports world and you know, playing around in the music space a little bit through the action sports world and seeing what they'd done was very admirable. And I don't usually use that word of brands, not very often at all. Um, But how they approached was very interesting where they wanted to own concepts on rather than just sponsor things and try to be tertiary involved. We, when their strategy was to do things right from the ground up and I really believe in that. So Mm -hmm. it was fun working there for a long time. Yeah. You were there for a while. And then you 
had this idea for Red Bull Three Style, which started as something experimental and then turned oh, into the world's biggest DJ contest. Yeah, it's funny when you really like go back in time and try to look at that. Uh, my friend Scotty Jewett, actually, that I worked with at Red Bull, he did one in the Okanagan, and it was kind of like a, a version of Three Style. It was actually his naming convention, but it didn't really have the format that it needed to work. It was kind of just too judged by the audience. And so I kind of tweaked the format a little bit and he went on to do some other crazy stuff at Red Bull, but I, I was kind of more on the music side that specifically. And um, the concept was there loosely, but with a few tweaks, uh, I judged the DMCs a couple of times up in Whistler working with Spy and I love the DMCs. I love what the DJs were doing. I just found it very inaccessible to the normal music fan. So kind of went to G-Man and uh, Rob Risk, and they ran this thing called Mash It Up Fridays at Atlantis. What are we on? Are we on Homer or are we on Richards? We're on Homer we're right on now. Homer. I got, we're close. I got a proximity vibe to <laughs> old Richards on Richards days. But um, I went to them and said, hey, we have this idea. I want to try it out with you guys. Let's get the best DJs in the city. Give them each 15 minutes. They got to play three genres, but they can kind of flex like they would in the studio or with the, you know, with their friends doing cut up sessions or, or, or all the things you do with DJs that are meant kind of for DJs, but do it to a dance floor audience and really keep that in mind from the forefront. Like, cool. You can do the craziest crab scratch of all time. That's awesome. Does the dance floor care? That has to be top of mind. Whatever the, whatever you're going to do, that the dance floor has to care about it um, and feel it as much as see it and understand it. And it adds to the music. It doesn't turn into a, uh, a, a guitar solo contest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you were to compare it to live music, cause I, can you watch a guitar solo for 15 minutes? Maybe. Can you watch six of them happen back to back at a nightclub mm-hmm. on a Friday? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So the idea was to keep it moving and in the three genre thing made it, back then too everything was very um well i can dial it back a little further outside of a very few djs open format wasn't really a thing back then people were hip-hop djs or house djs or techno djs drum and bass djs but shout out uh scotty arkwell and dj check who ran some nights at whistler and they were as open format as i've ever seen uh and it kind of changed my whole perspective and i definitely molded three style off of what those two were doing in the clubs in Whistler when I first moved there in the mid nineties because yeah. Scotty would play jazz records and drum and bass records and rap records and somehow weave them all together. And Chuck was playing remixes. He did of Kenny Rogers in the club on a, you know, you ran a Sunday night for, I think it was 20 years. Soul kitchen ended up going for Wow. at Tommy's on Sundays, but he would play everything. And it was crazy. So, yeah, that was kind of the idea behind it was to take some of their approach with this open format ideas and playing any genre, breaking down those walls, then adding in the technical elements that are the separator of, um, again, I'm using air quotes here, but your festival DJ who just rinses records and that's a good time. It's fun, but there's not much happening. And if you can count to four, you can do it technically. Um, 
but these halftime things that some of these DJs are doing and, and, and all the, the drum syncopation stuff that they could do w- with scratches was just fascinating to add that to the mix. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it started. And at the end of the night, uh, Matt the Alien, shout out Matt, who's been through a really tough time recently, but uh, Matt won the first one ever. And I still remember going to Robin G at the end of the night and going, that was really fun. Yeah. We could do that anywhere. I said that to Yeah, I said like we could could literally do that anywhere. If you got any kind of DJ culture, this would work. Mm -hmm. We kind of laughed. Next year we did six in Canada. Then we did 10 in Canada with the national final. And then we did a world final in Paris in 2010. And we brought in, I think, 10 countries on one night. That first one, yeah, it was down at the Elysee de Montmartre in France. Right in Paris, it was wild to actually be in there thinking about uh, the roots and mm. Jill Scott singing about that venue. Mm-hmm. And then we're in there doing a show in 2010 and took over a hotel. And yeah, we did nine world finals and we were supposed to do a 10th in Moscow, but yeah, Russia. Now we're here. And then the world stopped. The world stopped. Yeah. It really yeah. did. So what was that like for you as someone who, as we said, is someone in perpetual motion, you were always traveling, um, to essentially be, you know, forced to be grounded? What was it like or what is it like? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, What was it like was pretty crazy. I remember uh, going into Alvy and Bill's office. We were doing a national final at Fortune last January on I think the 26th or 28th of January, 2020. And that day we had made the call to cancel our world final in April in Moscow. This is January, 2020. Coachella hadn't canceled yet. Nobody had canceled yet. Mm -hmm. But because I'd been traveling the world and uh, showed up one kid that worked for us, Loic, he said it in December, right before we went on holiday saying, hey, I think we got to pay attention to COVID. We all kind of went, Here, what are you talking about? This is December 19. And uh, by the time we came back, I was like, oh, this thing is bigger than I could have ever imagined. And we hadn't even felt it in North America yet. And we canceled and everyone, what are you talking about? You're canceling. And then all of a sudden Coachella canceled, canceled, canceled. All this was happening. And I don't, I didn't believe it would still be like this now. It's almost April 2021. And we're still kind of in, a very similar situation that we were in then. Mm-hmm. I, I've been on the road 100,000 miles of flying a year for well over a decade. Um, ironically, I caught up with Jazzy Jeff on Wednesday last week. We hadn't talked on the phone in a while. We were just catching up, and he's like, oh, how are you? You know, how are the kids? And his twins are basically my kids' age. And uh, it's like, how is this for you, you know? I'm like, it's really weird, man. I haven't been home this long. And wait a second, how long have you been home, dude? And he goes, Kenny, I'll tell you what, Lynette and I were talking about this the other night at dinner and we figured it out. 37 years. He hasn't been home for a year. Wow. So everything's all perspective. And I thought I had it crazy, but he's been home. He's been on the run 37 years years that i've done it for trip. yeah 15 or so i guess so mm-hmm. it's been a big adjustment for sure mm-hmm. uh a lot of challenges a lot of uh clutter in our house because i'm usually gone a lot more than i was there yeah. so there's 
yeah, we're all on top of each other more than we've ever noticed before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what did what did it bring up for you, kind of just internally and thoughts and feelings and emotions about you know mm. all of all of this change and you know who you who you were for fifteen years on the run and now you're stopped. Yeah. Uh, wow. This loaded question. Um, I miss certain parts of travel for sure. New cultures, new ideas, new perspectives are keep me moving uh, mentally, but also it gave me time to look at things through a different lens for sure. Um, I didn't do enough activity on the road. I was active, but just out doing things a lot, out late nights a lot. Um, I do more push-ups now. <laughs> I drink a lot of water, a lot of juice now, more probably in the last year than I have in the last 15 years combined. <laughs> Still drink a ton of coffee. Mm-hmm. I bought beer at the start of the pandemic in March, and I think I've been back to the beer store once wow. since. So I drink beer with friends yeah. on bar stools. I don't drink at home normally. Mm-hmm. I did go through a stage where I opened a different bottle of scotch every day for 50 days, I yeah. think in April last year, because I was so bored. I, I have a great bar at home, but I never drink from it because I'm usually on the road. Yeah. And I save that for when people like you come over for dinner <laughs> and we can share things. But no one's been able to do that. So I just started opening bottles and trying them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fun. So yeah, I'm a lot more... Uh, I'm writing a lot too, mm. or I used to write a lot more for purpose, like for projects directly right then, but now it's more for ideas mm. and trying to turn those into projects. So mm-hmm. that's been very fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of discovery, um, music thing too. Oh my God. I discovered more music this year than ever. And that's been really cool. But I was talking to my friend, Matt Hexmer, who's doing some stuff with Spotify, sent me this interview questions about different ways to discover music. And I was writing it and I was like, it's so strange because every song, no matter what, Bourbon Tabernacle Choir at the townhouse, I think about who I was with and what we did and that those moments. Uh, I don't know, or my friend Ernesto I talked about before, he plays like Ethiopian fuzz rock 45s at a night in Beirut called the Beirut. Uh, groove collective he plays all kinds of crazy music but like he literally has the only copy on earth of these records and he plays them and people freak out in in Beirut awesome Um, but there's all these discovery moments where you remember the moment I discovered more records in 2020 2021 than ever for sure but the moment's the exact same me laying on the floor with headphones on Mm. and it's so weird because there's no context to the discovery except for the songs themselves and laying my ass on the floor with my headphones on anything anything um that you've discovered that you're just like wow that was mind-blowing so many Mm -hmm. so many and i the i i started to organize things into playlists i guess um I was just away last weekend for the first time since the pandemic hit really to Vitalik on a snowboard trip. And uh, they have a a really cool hot tub out back with lasers. (laughs) And uh, I put together a playlist over the year that I hadn't been there that would be perfect for listening to in the hot tub with with the lasers. (laughs) And uh, actually one night was in the hot tub. The next night was in the sauna by myself with two other friends that ended up in the sauna. And now the 
title of the playlist is the uh, Eucalyptus uh, Laser Mind <laughs> Therapy playlist. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I like so it. I listen to a lot like of music, mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. kinds, uh, just to take you places. And done a lot more of that through the pandemic, discovering new tunes, and then listening to music around the house. Tucker and I were up this morning, and what were we listening to? We were listening to Bonobo, and he was like, "Yeah, wow. this is really neat." Bonobo, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's cool for you know your twelve year old to gonna say, say, "Wow, that's neat." Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, we were listening to that this morning at breakfast, and we listened to. All kinds of stuff. There's no real genre, genre agnostic. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. What um, else? Have I, I don't know. Kind of went on there, but no, no, no. I love it. Um, I was just thinking about you know this this last year and you know just recognizing that you've been doing a lot more self care. I think in this last year, you know, you've been juicing, you've been doing acupuncture. Oh yeah. You came in for a sound therapy session slash healing with me yesterday. Yeah, I did online. Uh, psychologist i guess not psychotherapy just mm. psychologist that was weird yeah talking to someone that you don't know on zoom but how'd it go there were some tidbits that i picked up for sure it's not really my way of healing i don't i didn't feel like i was like a big weight off my shoulder yeah i picked up some interesting tidbits um one time talking about the kids he was like you have to uh the saying you have to lead a horse to water mm. Well, that's part of it, but you have to make the horse thirsty. Mm. And it was an interesting perspective that I picked up from that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, sure, that. Yeah. they're not they're not thirsty. The water is not go. worth much. <laughs> so well, yeah, that's yeah. A, um, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of really self exploration for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like for you, or what has that looked like for you? What have you discovered? What have I discovered? I discovered that I really like music for sure. I discovered I really like telling stories of not necessarily myself, but stories in general and finding unique perspectives that haven't been told and figuring out ways to tell those stories. So I've been working on some projects there. Um, trying to be a better dad and partner just in general, mm-hmm. which I always necessarily try but I hold myself to a high standard on that side anyway mm-hmm. I like to coach and I like to be around and uh that's something I've always done I think naturally mm-hmm. which is weird to say um but I'm writing a lot and trying to do new things yes yeah how was the sound healing for you yesterday yeah sound therapy. so sound therapy was really neat um May does uh very interesting i'm into all these weird places that your mind can go and i got there through crystal bowls a a, a shaker made out of i'm not sure what but goddamn it was loud yeah it was shaker very loud. was arresting when mm-hmm. you first started it um but i think i live somewhere my most creative time is what would you call it theta theta i try to get to that theta state and acupuncture really helps with that. Mm-hmm. I think I was in that theta state yesterday for a while. I think I was bouncing into Delta because I was so fatigued from snowboarding mm-hmm. um, at Retallic on 45-degree pistes and tons of snow and not 
riding enough this year. So yeah, my body was fatigued. Yeah. And actually just to, to backtrack so that people understand what theta and, and delta is, uh, theta is the brain, um, the brain wave state between sleeping and awake or your, your conscious or your subconscious and your subconscious. And, um, it's really where intuition bubbles up and also deep healing and delta is full sleep REM. So yeah. So a little context. Yeah, that's good. Cause, um, you explained that maybe better than I could. Uh, Delta for me, when I go to acupuncture, I, when I lay face down, I always lay face down the first time. I don't know why, but uh, my, my friend Tanya does it. And then I'm on my front and I pass out like hardcore, but you can't move. That's the thing about acupuncture. You're basically debilitated because you've got all these needles and all these pinch points or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. But when I lay on my back, that's when I get into the theta. I can't mm. fall asleep in there on my back, mm-hmm. but I'm just in between and everything crystallizes in that state for me. And I was going to ask, is that where all your ideas kind of surface up? I think the ideas together? are happening all the time and they come together then. Mm. That's what I find. Last time I was in there, she had a bunch of needles in my front when I was laying on my back and I was, I had the words finally for this thing that I've been trying to crystallize. And I'm laying on my back and she, Tanya's funny because when I go in, I guess you're scheduled for an hour, but she always asks, how long can I have you? And I always book with her open-ended. So I was in there for like two and a half hours total and like an hour and a half probably on my back with this one thought that I needed to write down (laughs) so badly, but I couldn't because I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. And when she came in, I was like, yo, She's like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, get these out of me right now. I need my telephone and I need to write this down before I forget it. <laughs> and she's laughing. She's like, okay, cool. She pulls all these needles out of me and runs out. I was like, okay, thank you. Come out like 15 minutes later with this diatribe that I've been. Well, it's it's good that together. you know where you're where you're where you do come up with those those crystallizations. It, yeah, I definitely had a couple. Um, you asked me where I went yesterday mm-hmm. when I came out of my. I was transcendental at points for sure. Um, I don't really know where I went yesterday, but I felt a lot better when I came out of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've been trying to think about that when you said, how is the the sound healing? And for yeah. me, it's it was very impactful. Mm-hmm. It was very positive, very vibrant. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Alvaro, who I was working with today, he's like, wow, you, you're in a good mood. Can we talk a lot of shit to each other, but I attributed it directly to our healing session. Mm. I was in a, you even said I look nicer today than I did <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I must've looked haggard yesterday because I looked pretty haggard today. You, yeah, you were, you were, uh, you, you definitely were tired probably from Vitalik. Yeah. But I do think it is the orchestration of all of the different things that we, we did yesterday. You know, we were talking about the shaker and, um, the shaker is a, a more of a shamanic tool and instrument. And, um, it's, uh, it's good for releasing negative energy and physical tension. So it's good to start that off because it's quite abrasive. And then we went into the breathing with the, the Qigong breathing for all the different organs. And I was trying to count your fours mm-hmm. with your bowl sounds Yeah. and with my eyes closed. So it's only just on audio registry, but I was trying to do four in, four hold, four out, yes, four yes. hold to your pacing of your loops you're making on the bowl and I was trying to do it but it, it, I think that helped me get to that state I don't think I did it very well mm, yeah you mentioned that yesterday 
Yeah. And you know what? I did look up. You said that you oh, yeah. had the pinching. Um, By, and I, oh, sorry, yes. let me just preface this. Mm-hmm. May played a note through one of the bowls. And when it started, my uh, arch of my right foot, it was like it was plugged into the wall. It got so tight Yeah. from that noise. Yeah. But tell me more. What happened to me? Yeah. So I ended up looking at reflexology. And the arch of your foot is um, your stomach and your your pancreas spleen area. And do you remember how we did the voicing for the stomach oh, yeah. around worry? Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to know if those two are related. Like if there was you was needed a release. Who? Who? Yeah. Who? Mm-hmm. yeah. So anyways, that's the area. Ah, uh, she. Who? Yes. An om at the end. We did an om in the end too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't done so. very much chanting. I'm more of a, <laughs> using my ears to make noise, yeah. to, to, to consume noise than my mouth. But. Yeah, so there you go. So that's what I what I found yesterday. So maybe that's there's a corre- correlation between that. Was that twitchy? Were you twitchy? Yeah. No, you were you were quite you were quite still. Okay. Yeah, your your hands weren't twitching. Your your feet weren't twitching, um, but you were definitely going between theta and delta. Fatigue was a factor. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Fatigue was definitely a factor there. But uh, I'm I'm really happy that you feel better and, and lighter. Mm-hmm, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And you're super into matcha as well, you were, you were saying. Oh, man. Uh, so I, I, I guess I'm super into caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always drank coffee since, I don't know, when I was 18 or something. But I uh, drink too much of it probably. And my friend Kenta, who's business partner on a new venture, um, we go for walks. And I picked him up one morning with the dog. Yeah, you know, we didn't touch on the dog. We got a dog during COVID too. Yeah. Um, so we go for walks, and I was going to buy a coffee. And he goes, "Oh, I don't drink coffee. I, I only drink matcha." So I try to match it with him one afternoon, and now it's ma- it's coffee in the morning and matcha in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my vibe. Does he do it in the, does he make it in the traditional way with the, the whisk and like the really potent Yes, matcha? but man's also makes pottery now. He's, oh, yes, he's like all about. He's all about Yeah, these. he's all about the ways. Right, yeah. right. So wow. um, we go for, we usually meet somewhere and, and buy a matcha, but, um, and, and walk the dog. But I really enjoy the matcha vibes and mm-hmm. I've been drinking lots of juice Yes. My friend Tanya, who my acupuncturist and uh, healer on that side, traditional Chinese medicine, I was asking her about what juicers should I buy? And she goes, none. You have Vitamix. I know you have a Vitamix. Make it in there and drink the pulp because you get more fiber. Okay. Don't get so high and mighty about the pureness of the juice. Take the whole thing that you're putting in, some water, and if you want to put, I'm into MCT oil as well. Mm. Um, I put mm-hmm. that in the juice sometimes. And blend it, but also drink all the pulp because that's where all the fiber is. And her thing is, we the MCT oil is a fat that helps burn fats, but um, we in general don't get enough raw fiber in our diets. So Mm. that's an interesting one too. Right, that's a good tip. I guess it pushes everything out too. That needs to. Well, yeah, I pee a lot (laughs) (laughs) when I drink all this water and green tea and juice. Yeah. Yeah. So you were saying that you and Kenta have a, a project. Is there anything that you can tell us about? The yeah, that, that one we're getting on? closer. Um, mm-hmm. So there's five of us on that one, actually. Um, played a lot of golf during the 
first part of the pandemic, which was nice because I was actually home and I have a membership here and never get to play enough, but I love the game. Um, I think golf is very fun because I can be competitive at it, but I can't get hurt <laughs> where if I go play basketball now, I my knees hurt and I get undercut and still try to dunk it and I tore my hamstring last year. I'm like, what do you want to try to dunk the ball for? You're 47 years old and you're still trying to dunk the ball, but I just can't stop. But golf, you can be super competitive and really, if you're in any kind of shape, you're not going to get hurt. Uh, and you can play with your friends, you can play with any generation, you can play, you know, two generations above or three generations below and still have a lot of fun, travel the world, it's everywhere. So during the pandemic, I started thinking about maybe trying to get a job, like a job job and apply for a job, which I haven't done in I don't know how long. Um, and I looked at the golf industry and I thought, oh man, I like golf, but I don't like this industry that much. There's nothing I really am interested in. So then automatically I see an opportunity and I know I can't do it all myself, but uh, my old production partner on Three Style, Matt, he, um, they do a lot of very cool digital content they started with, but they started a fly fishing show years ago and started a brand called Hookay. And they do a fly fishing brand direct to consumer. And they have a pick and pack warehouse for that. They have another brand called Growers, which is a gardening brand. Um, but they make their stuff in some really cool factories around the world and have an awesome process involved. And they have a pick and pack. And Matt, I turned him into a golfer through our travels together, going around the world with three style. He's gotten into golf. So right away, I was like, yo, I think we should start a golf brand. You guys got like the factory side some of the brand side dialed a lot of the storytelling part. Talked to him. He's like, cool. And then uh, you know, Jeff Williams. Yes. Yeah. So Jeff, I reached out to Jeff right away and Jeff's family has been in golf for a long time. Uh, and he worked in the golf industry through OGO and then uh, started his project company and two under underwear in the golf space. And he sold all his shares. And now he's into more. Um, he makes all kinds of things for brands. Mm. Um, but loves golf and great golfer. So I reached out to him and said, Hey, what do you think of this idea in golf? He's like, Oh shit, that's pretty cool. But I want to introduce you to another friend and his friend that he golfs with quite a lot is, uh, is a great lawyer named Arif Narani. So he's doing all the, um, administrative heavy lifting that I hate. Mm -hmm. So through all this, those are four golf, three golfers, myself, and we all kind of know a little bit about design, but aren't, the right person for it. And I reached out to Kenta who I met in probably 1995 when I moved to Whistler. We've always stayed in touch and I've always admired his work because his work is some of the best in design in the world. So I reached out to him and I said, do you play golf? No. Perfect. Let's go for, <laughs> let's go, let's go for coffee, which turned into matcha. Um, but he doesn't golf and our whole position in golf for this brand is, um, be golf where be golf experiences be golf technologies for the professional who plays golf not necessarily the professional golfer mm. we don't want to look like the pga tour we don't want to look like golfers we want to look like normal dudes who are out playing golf and i could wear it here and you wouldn't know that it was golf wear necessarily right. but yeah. i could wear it on the golf course and just get by with it so it's been a fun project we've been you know we're hopefully launching middle of summer with a small collection this year um, there's some technology side of that company that we're working on where we're trying to uh, develop a process for recycling range balls. Mm. So that's mm -hmm. been uh, working on some grant writing for that one. And cool. all of us have 
full-time work. So this is kind of a, a passion project on the side that's been really fun. Yeah. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. It's called Play the 19th. Play the 19th. So. So more to come in the summer. More to come in the summer. The, yeah, the idea behind it is uh, writing a rule book, like 19 rules to your life that mm. have golfisms and lifeisms that are, they can populate either side, but. One of them is to basically always play the 19th hole. And the 19th hole is where you go and have a drink with the people you played with and have a cheers because that's bigger than golf. It's not like go and get smashed. It's go and have a cheers with the people you just played with because you might not ever see them again. I like that a lot. And we don't make that time enough in our lives. So that's kind of our last rule Yeah. Um, in the book. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're working on a little book for it too about our 19 rules and the numerology is very interesting and convenient and yeah i like numerology oh, like three style was very literal yes, right three yes. styles of music in 15 minutes but yeah. so there's a lot of cool things with 19 that we're playing with and mm. you'll see more of that fleshed out in the brand as mm. we move it forward i love that i love that that uh what you just said um and i agree i don't think we we always make enough time we always have yeah. enough time I try not to say the word Mm -hmm. have enough time anymore. I always try to say make enough time because we have a choice to make said time. Yeah, yeah. It can be grind. It can be a pain in the ass. But yet, unless you you say you don't have the time, you most likely had it. Yes, yes. And make it. Well, it's the same thing with priorities, right? It's just Mm. like Mm -hmm. you just didn't make it a priority because you didn't want to. (laughs) Yes. I know. I have a few of those. Ask Micah. I know that you, you, well, Congratulations, and I can't wait to. Well, nothing to congratulate to, yet. It's just yeah, an yeah, idea. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. So I'm excited about that when it when it launches. Um, I know you love being a dad very, oh, yeah. very much, and yeah. enjoy spending time with with your boys, Otis and Tucker. Um, you know, I mean, it's been a minute since I've seen them, and and they're much older than you know the last. I bring a step stool. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, are they more and more a chip off the old block? I hope not <laughs> for their sake. Uh, it's funny, you know, like uh, Otis kind of does a similar build to me and kind of looks like me and Tucker conversely looks more like Micah and uh, typically acts a little bit more like Micah, but they're, you know, they're fascinating beings. Those two. Oh, was first year of high school during a pandemic mm-hmm. where he goes to school for an hour and 18 minutes a day. Shout out Vancouver School Board for keeping our kids safe, but um, it's been very trying, mm-hmm. very hard to go to school your first year of high school and not really go and learn online and be self-directed and hold yourself to those standards because kids, you know, I, I wasn't even ready to do it in university. Yeah, trying to do it at thirteen, turning fourteen. Nah. So he's he's doing well now. He's you know he's been through some trials and tribulations with that and <clears throat> trying to be a better dad for that. Because it's it's always changing and it's always different. So yeah, so dadding is different. Yeah. 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 And speaking of Micah, um, what what do you really appreciate most about her? Oh man. <clears throat> She's uh so solid all the time. She she's the quiet balance in our lives because I'm chaotic as can be. So She's very uh, grounded mm-hmm. all the time, and without that, I'd probably be a disaster. Mm-hmm. So she keeps everything on the rails around the uh, 
well, the Mac and Newf household because we never got married. So she yes, right. share my last name, but she has to deal with it. two mm. more versions of me, uh, <laughs> a 13 and a 12 year old version now, Tucker's birthday last week. So she yeah. definitely keeps uh, us grounded very yeah, well. She's an anchor. Yes. Mm. Well, I just have two more questions for you. Um, you know, the second to last one is if you, you look back, you know, at your, at your life and yourself, um, and you were going to say that this is the thing that I am most proud of, um, about me, what would you say? Oh, shit. I don't think of those things. Um, Hopefully that I put a smile on your face. I guess if you're looking back and I wasn't here, that would be you're either laughing, hopefully with, potentially at <laughs> something I did. Um, but it's funny, you know, I was on Clubhouse a few weeks ago and they're talking about different social medias and they're like Facebook and Instagram leave you feeling very um, depleted and tired because it's always competitive and look how awesome my life is mm. and even though i'm not on tiktok the guys like i was talking said well tiktok and clubhouse leave you feeling light and 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 inspired mm. and the the lightness really helped. i was like shit i should be on tiktok because all i do is make fun of myself anyway <laughs> but, i think you'd blow up <laughs> <laughs> but i i guess if you really net it out there's to your question of people, if you want to look at your legacy, that hopefully, yeah, it made you smile. And if that's, mm -hmm. we shared a song, we shared a meal, we shared a drink, we stayed up all night and talked shit. Mm -hmm. But we look back at it and go, maybe I didn't get it at the time because it was too deep or mm -hmm. or maybe it was too light at the time. But yeah, you look back at it and, and that was fun. So, yeah, yeah. I guess that would hmm. be it. Hmm. I don't yeah, really. I mean, like, you do. Oh, sure. <laughs> you really do. Yeah, I, don't. I think it's so many funny moments, you know, that I remember. I mean, I was just sharing some with, you know, Jay, my one of my awesome team members here in, in the room. And I was like, Kenny's so funny. Like he did this. He did that. So, yeah, you you definitely you definitely do. for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Doing lots and um, never really been. On to say, check out my work, how awesome it is. And I, that's not really my motivation. I, I like doing things for people and building communities around them. That's kind of how Three Style started. I'm working with Nate and Alvaro at Blueprint right now, and working on some really fun community initiatives there and uh, getting ready for reopening with mm -hmm. those guys. So uh, mm -hmm. lots of fun stuff coming down the pipe yeah. there. And I think everything we're planning is to make people smile. So yeah. I'm into it. Hmm. I wonder, so that, that question was really about like what you were proud of. I wonder if your, your answer would be different to this last question, which is, um, with what you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world? Huh. What I do. What do I want to leave behind in the world? A change for better, I guess, whatever that is to as many people as it can be. Like the, the golf thing, 
one of the things we're doing is raging against the antiquities of the game. Like often there's dudes that talk about, you know, girls are only the cart girls. We're not really a girl's brand. We don't have that. We're just making golf gear. And right now it's all guys. We'd like to have girls involved as well. We just don't have it at this point. But in our talks, it's, it's, I don't care if you're a guy or girl, like golf's fun for everybody. So hopefully we can be part of that change in golf that it's not so stiff. Mm -hmm. and we're raging against white pants. <laughs> Why do people wear white pants in the golf course? You look crazy. White pants are not meant for anything except maybe some fashion runway, but no one needs to wear white pants. <laughs> wear shorts, goddammit. White pants are nuts. No grass stains. <laughs> well, we could get worse than that too. But <laughs> <laughs> we're running pretty hot over here, man. <laughs> I just, no time for white pants. But uh, yeah, I don't Legacy's been very uh, low on my thoughts. I think I live too much in the moment to worry about what my past will be when I'm not here. Mm. Hopefully my kids will be well set up and uh, able to take risks that they want to take that mm -hmm. are safe enough to uh, try. Mm -hmm. So that fine balance of setting them up to be able to take risks and take chances but not put all their eggs in one basket for anything. Mm -hmm. Just have that security blanket for them. I guess that's the only thing I'm really worried about legacy-wise is how they turn out. Because mm -hmm. I'm responsible for you too, damn it. <laughs> They're yeah. the next generation. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. I always, always love our chats. And thank you for being so open and just for who you are. I'm, I oh, feel really, really grateful to call you a friend. You as well, May. Thanks for your <laughs> session yesterday. Um, thanks for doing this. There's going to be a lot of really cool perspectives. I'm actually having dinner with G-Man after. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah, um, give him a hug for And me. Nate. And Nate, too. Oh, my goodness. We'll have to get Alvaro on here, too. I, I know. Yes. He likes to listen to himself talk. <laughs> <laughs> we have a really fun relationship, right? We've We've never really worked together until recently. We worked together on projects from different entities but working well for him right now on uh, on this blueprint stuff has been hilarious because we definitely um rub each other <laughs> but that guy's full Challenge of crazy ideas you, you get him on he's got some crazy ideas that one um I, I i like like i said earlier trying to build that into a story that can be told for a lot of people to hear and that's mm -hmm. kind of what i'm trying to do is listen to his ideas and then mold them into different ways to tell those stories across there's so many different businesses that they have so yeah. pretty fun uh, opportunity what what blueprint's doing in western canada and all of uh northwest us in the next couple of years too so they got a lot of things going on yeah so that's well, fun and that's then maddie awesome. and i got our little agency thing we're still doing some stuff with clients there so no way okay a lot, you're, of, you're, lot of projects in the go. You're still perpetually in motion. <laughs> and coaching basketball from Zoom because I'm not allowed to go to the school. How does that happen? Right? Is it, is it even... I was supposed work? to coach the grade 8 <laughs> Kitsilano High School team this year, and we did Zoom every Monday because we weren't actually allowed to go to the school. Right. But baseball coaching starts up. Wow. Just sent out the welcome to the team email last night, I guess, when I got home from Retallic. So, yeah, Tucker's team I'm coaching. Last year, Little League. Whoa. And I've got two teenagers two next teens. year. Whoa. <laughs> well, definitely tell G and Nate I say hello. 
Will do. And uh, I hope to have you on again soon. Oh, hopefully I'll have more stories. Maybe sure put a smile will. on someone's face. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Thanks, May. Thanks. That was awesome. Thanks, Kenny. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes of The Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>